Welcome back to the Lobuck LS podcast. I'm your host, Randy. This week, we've got part one of our interview with Michael Narks of Narcoleptic Customs and Dragon Drive Addictions. Stick around. Hey, everybody. Randy with Lobuck LS here again. I'm pretty excited for tonight. I'm doing my first interview for the uh, Lobuck LS channel and the podcast. So, uh, let me introduce our guest. We got Michael Narks here. Mike is the uh, founder of the DragonDrive.com website and the, the social media accounts that go with it. He's grown that Instagram account to over 50,000 followers uh, in a real short amount of time, like six months-ish. So uh, we're going to dive into that in a bit and dive into the whole uh, Dragon Drive phenomenon that's been exploding here lately we'll get into that in a bit mike's also the owner of narcoleptic customs they're a shop that do ls swaps on a wide variety of vehicles we'll get into some of those project vehicles here in a bit he's got a youtube channel to go along with that as well another thing i've noticed about mike he's a big fan of all kinds of racing i know he's focused on the drag and drive stuff right now but I've seen him interview like the coast to coast uh, competitors that do the cannonball run style races right across the country at 200 miles an hour. I've seen him interview gambler 500 guys. I've seen him interview and take part in express rallies. So thanks for coming on tonight, Mike, and joining us. How are you doing this evening? Dude, I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm not usually on this side of the the camera. <laughs> You're on the on this side of the mic, I guess. Um, getting talking about myself, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I hope everybody's ready. I've got a ton of stories to tell. So right on. Good. And I know you're a good talker, so that, that's why I chose you as my first guest. So. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. We definitely have some fun stories and some things that have that have gone our way the last few months, uh, obviously with all the Instagram stuff and things like that. So, yeah, it's been a, been a huge plus. Right on. So tell me a little bit about your background. Like, where are you from and what got you started in uh, this whole car hobby and especially doing stuff like LS swaps and bolting yeah. turbos onto LS engines and all that good stuff. Right. So um, as a kid, my grandmother, my dad's mom would take us to anything we ever wanted to do. So a lot of that meant car shows because we were car, you know, bicycles, cars, all that kind of stuff. I grew up in Northeast Arkansas and that means lots of flat straight roads. So as about, I would think a seven or eight year old, we go outside at like 10 o'clock one night and there's literally street racing going on in front of the house. So, oh, wow. I mean, that's how flat and straight the roads were yeah. back there. And so that led to, Oh my gosh, cars are cool. And then of course, motorcycles and bicycles and taking things apart and all that kind of stuff that you do growing up as a kid. But then also our mom, my brother is four years younger than I am. Uh, her and my dad's put up, you know, single moms, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, didn't have any money, you know, but they had two bucks that you could buy a hot wheels car for. So every time we went to the store that had hot wheels, whether it be the grocery store, or, you know, Walmart or whatever, we would end up with the hot wheels. So, you know, sometimes we'd have to negotiate, Hey, can we get this cooler one or whatever, you know? Right. Uh, sometimes it may only meant one that week, or maybe we could get two during the week. So yeah. Uh, and yeah. Big I, I shout out to my mom. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're still into the Hot Wheels, right? Because I just saw a post <laughs> on your Instagram about getting a full collection of eight VW uh, Hot Wheels. 
Yeah, yeah, it's still a big deal. And uh, what people don't know is my, this is a green screen behind me because of what I do now. But um, behind me is uh, about 150 that are on the wall in some earlier Narcoleptic Custom podcast stuff. And then on the wall in the shop, I have another three or 400. So, oh, wow. so I'm not I'm not going to say I have a huge collection, but <laughs> I am a um, I'm a Hot Wheels truck guy. I like oh, a lot nice. of the, the truck stuff and maybe some cool cars. So. 90% of the collection I have, I have, air quotes, I have our trucks, which is, oh, wow. you know, it's such a small portion. Next time you go to Walmart, just take a look and, and count the number of trucks that you see and then count the number of cool trucks within that. Uh, <laughs> right. so, so, yeah, the, the Volkswagen deal the other day, I walked in and they had put out a new display and it had, I was able to put an entire eight of eight together in yeah. one sit in one visit, which normally doesn't happen. Perfect. So, yeah, you know, right little, little, little cool stuff like that. Yeah, perfect. Let's dive into the Narcoleptic custom yeah. stuff a little bit. How, how long have you been uh, operating that shop? Uh, we, we started, well, so Narcoleptic Customs has always been a idea of ours, mine and my little brother, Stephen, for, I mean, we started technically in 2016 when I built the shop here. But before that, he had always kind of wrenched on some stuff for friends and things like that. But we never did it for money. But 2016, I got serious and we started, you know, a YouTube channel and all the Facebook pages and Instagram and things like that. And uh, I built a shop here at the house in 2016. So that's how I paid for the first couple of trips. And we'll talk about this later with the drag and drive stuff, but that's how I paid for the first couple of drag and drive trips was turning wrenches for other people, building cars for folks and things like that. Nice. It, with starting up Narcoleptic Customs, and I think you've still got a day job, and with running the drag and drive, do you still yeah. have time to work on your own, uh, wrench on your own project? Well, sadly, uh, no. I Worked real hard for about two weeks to get the old truck ready, my 66 C10 truck that we'll talk about here in a minute, um, to get it ready to go on the April Dragon Drive event that we host. It's just a weekend regional event. And so I worked real hard for two or three weeks to get it ready and ended up somehow bending a drive shaft and oh, no. it just completely vibrated itself to death. So I haven't even touched it since April. And this is being recorded in uh, uh, August. So right. we, I haven't touched it in four months. It's sitting in the same spot. And then the Narch cart, which we'll talk about too in a minute, is uh, has I broke it last September, and I haven't started it since putting it in the garage. Uh, I think it was the 14th we put it in the garage. Oh. September 21. So no, yeah. I don't have any time. <laughs> right. I'm I'm almost tempted to pay my brother to work on that stuff. So right. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yep. Uh, so when you do get time to work in the shop, what's your favorite kind of wrenching to do? Like, do you do like welding and fabrication or paint and body or wiring and tuning or just general wrenching yeah, so, on? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, I enjoy wiring. I enjoy figuring that part out because a lot of, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest part of a car build is the, you know, what parts to order, you know, how you, what the plan of putting stuff together is. And so from there wiring to get everything looking better or at least working first and then go back later and fix it. And then uh, fabrication, as far as I'm not going to cut the frame up because that's what I, Steven does for us. Right. I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll make stuff work and then he'll go in and weld it in solid and make it, make it right. So. Yeah. Right on. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I know you guys have done a bunch of LS swaps in your shop. W- when you guys are doing that, do you do it all in-house or is there any 
tasks like the tuning and all that do you outsource any of that or do you do you do it all in-house yeah the only thing we outsource is tuning right now now there's some things that are coming up uh the lt swap in the 65 international that he's finishing up that we'll have to outsource just a little bit of stuff like exhaust we typically on a build of that level it's got an lt you know six two from an escalade six speed auto or eight speed auto it's the first time we had done that and you know all the transfer case and everything from the Escalade. So the electronic side of that, we actually bought a harness and we had, we're having somebody else go through and, and tune it and things like that. So okay, we, cool. we typically, we haven't, we haven't dove into like HP tuners or any of the tuning or stuff like that. Um, I did see a question on your, on your comments, you know, for our notes about, do we prefer to use a, aftermarket harness or cut down one we have done it every every way if i'm gonna do it and we're doing it for a customer i'd rather purchase one to be honest yeah. just because it's so much easier than and i'll say it like this you know we are 65 dollars an hour in the shop so if you take eight hours cutting one down is it worth the 540 dollars that you're spending to pay us to cut it down or you can buy one for five or 600 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I've got a BP harness on the bench over there and, and they're beautiful and just plug and yep. play. And we're actually going to have Bill with BP on here in a, a few interviews from now to talk about all that stuff. That's great, man. And that's such a good business. And the really, you know, going back to the reason I, I cut down my own harness one to save money, but then two to, figure out how to do it and to prove to myself that I could do it. You know what I mean? There's so much of that yeah. that you just like, I was like LT1swap.com. You can follow yeah. the instructions right there and it's easy, you know? So. Yeah. But your time is worth money too. Eh? And the yeah. am- amount of time it takes to do it. Yeah. The first one I had 10 hours in. Yeah, exactly. So at so. 65 bucks an hour, if that's what you value your time at, there's yeah. 650 bucks. Eh? <laughs> yep. Yep. So at Narcoleptic, I knew I was going to have trouble with that word. <laughs> Narcoleptic Customs, is there any kind of work you don't do? Like, do you do oil changes and brake jobs and general mechanical work like that? No, the only maintenance we'll do is on our personal rigs and our grandmother's minivan. And and really doing that just to save her money and to save us money. Uh, the, the explanation I always give the wife is I can give the dealership 450 bucks to do a brake job or i can do it for 150 bucks and spend that 300 going to an event yeah exactly (laughs) so i would much rather go to the event than pay them the other 300 bucks yeah makes sense so with the amount of ls swaps you you guys have done and like i said i've seen you guys do it on a wide variety of vehicles like grand wagoneers and land cruisers um you you've probably learned a lot do you have any advice for someone who's doing their first LS swap or wanting to do it affordably? Gather all your parts before you start tearing stuff apart. That's really probably the biggest thing with any car build, uh, especially with LS swaps is don't get something torn apart and then, Oh, well I'll, I'll start, I'll buy my donor motor. Then I'll buy my transmission then I'll buy the spacer later and just kind of gather all that little stuff, take a year, take six months, putting that little stuff together. So you can literally get that car a lot further along than what you, what you had intended, but Amazon and eBay motors, you know, we bought a ton of stuff from eBay going back years and years and years. And I'll say this, I had, 
I had gathered parts for the turbo setup in the old truck for four years before I even started the LS swap. As stuff would come up cheap, I would buy it. And so just patience. Yeah, that's good Take, advice. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to help people avoid that situation where they get their project half done and it's sitting up on jack stands in their driveway because they've either ran out of money or don't have the parts gathered or yep. so yeah well here's here's a great example i just thought of this too um for the old truck the cheap amazon swap mounts were 38 bucks okay? right perfect well my truck is like a four six drop probably so my cross member is about four inches from the ground but you can't use a regular truck pan on that because it sits too low right right so I go and spend three hundred and fifty dollars on a you know brand new CTSV oil pan so it fits and is under or is above the cross member and all that kind of stuff. Well, if I had taken the time to kind of think about that a little bit, I could have spent one hundred and seventy dollars on the classic performance parts swap mounts, and it would have raised the engine up enough to where I could have used the factory truck pan, and I would have spent one hundred and seventy bucks compared to three hundred and sixty bucks. Yeah, and when, exactly. And when we got the motor swapped, I was like, oh, crap. I had to pull the motor all the way back out to change the old pan. So, yeah. you know, it's that little stuff like that that you just don't think about because everybody goes, oh, man, do an LS swap. It's it's easy. It's cheap. Yeah. But, you know, then you nickel and dime and, and all yeah. that stuff with a $330 old pan. Exactly. And one of the things I'm learning is sometimes doing things the absolute cheapest way isn't the best way to do it. Like yeah. sometimes you're worth spending a little bit more for the right part and the right fit and it'll perform better and make you happier and you'll yeah. be uh well and one you know one of the biggest benefits to an ls swap now is there's probably very few vehicles that an ls hasn't been put in so if you take a little time to do your research you can most likely find somebody you know used to we had forums and you, you know that stuff was around forever and ever and ever now with facebook and facebook groups it doesn't really it, it's not as searchable to find the answer you're looking for you know forums yeah, exactly. were great because you could go back through uh yeah tim webb says uh price is starting to go up so that, yeah. yeah that's that's exactly right you know what was a 330 dollar oil pan four years ago maybe 450 now you know? yeah and take eight weeks to get here or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Some that's supply right. Supply chain issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So is, is there any mistakes that you guys have made during uh, LS swaps that you'd, uh, for anyone that's doing their first time, any mistakes to avoid or? Uh... Yeah. So the old truck is a great example. I thought it's a truck. Uh, it'll, it's a 66. It'll have, It'll fit truck manifolds, no problem. So I get everything together. Uh, you know, wiring harness is cut down. It's in. It's ready to, you know, everything's ready to go. And I'm like, I'll start figuring out exhaust. Well, the manifold, truck manifolds don't fit in that first generation C10 truck. Oh, no. Luckily, a neighbor, literally next door neighbor, was doing some shorty headers on a 2013 or 2010 SS Camaro. Well, in helping with that, I ended up with a set of manifolds, and those manifolds fit perfect. Nice. Well, if I'd had to buy those manifolds, I mean, that'd have been out a couple hundred bucks, you know. So, so yeah. a little stuff like that was a big mistake. And then most of the other mistakes have been just for LS stuff. People don't understand coming from a carb, uh, you know, Gen One small block stuff. Uh, you know, power is everything in those. Ground is everything in LS. So yeah. where you could in your old you know, in your carbureted small block, you could just drill a hole into the body. And so you had a ground there. It's fine. You can't do that on an LS. It, it, 
it just stuff will mess up. You'll be chasing things forever and it'll be as simple as a ground. So grounds yeah. are the most important things in LS and even more so in LT stuff. Yeah. And yeah, being EFI and with computers, yeah, they're so much more sensitive to, to grounding yep. than the old engines with carburetors and distributors. Yep. Yeah. They didn't care. You know, these, this new stuff, it, it cares a lot. And I think that's what I like most about an LS and an old car is because it gives you, you know, parts availability is super easy. Uh, you can go to most of your local pick and pulls or junkyards and get replacement parts. The parts are good, you know, like an alternators. I mean, they're made to go four or 500,000 miles and the, uh, you know, the gen one stuff just can't handle that. Typically, you know, you, you wouldn't pull a, Gen one small block out of a 75 model Chevrolet truck and throw it into something and be like, wow, this thing's got a hundred more horsepower. You know, you're doing cam and intake and all that kind of stuff where you can do that with an LS. Yeah, exactly. So a minute ago, we talked about how sometimes doing things the ap- absolute cheapest way isn't always the best way. Is there any areas where you like wouldn't cut corners and wouldn't cheap out and would spend a little extra money on your LS swap? A torque converter if you're trying to go fast. If if you're truly trying to have good drivability and things like that, you know, used to you you've been around hot riding for a long time and so you know like a BNM Torque Master three thousand RPM stall from the nineties or early two thousands, that thing would just you had to get it to three thousand RPM before it would even move. Well, you can still buy stuff like that, but for another three hundred bucks, you can buy, you know, a single disc torque converter that is great that is can handle all the power you want to throw at it you know reasonably and drive like a stock vehicle so the torque converter in the old truck is actually a triple disc uh you know billet converter from tci that we had matched to the truck and my my specific goals when i talked to tci was i want something that i can drive and i'm going to beat on it hardcore all the time like i'm going to get in the truck i'm going to let it warm up I'm going to drive down the street and I'm going to do a second gear rolling burnout as long as it'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Every time I get in it. But I also want to be able to let the wife jump in it and drive it, you know, and it drive like a normal vehicle. And that's what a triple disc can do for you. You can cruise around at a low speed. It'll accelerate like normal and all that kind of stuff. You know, she's yeah. driven the truck a couple of times. And I mean, it makes 500 wheel and always has the worst tires that the used tire shop has because all right. I'm going to be doing is doing burnouts. I mean, you know, what's yeah. the point in having good tires, you know, it's, it's not a racetrack. It was built, you know, you're on sloppy mechanics. It's yep. built for burnouts ice- and ice cream, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. And I think another point to add to that is to not just go to summit or a Jags and buy a converter off the shelf, but do like yep. you did and call PTC or circle D yep. or, that Ryan Jans in the sloppy group kind of builds yep. custom converters and tell them what your application is and what cam you've got and what you're yep. going to be doing with the vehicle. And they'll match one custom made for you rather than just getting one off the shelf. Well, and, and be honest with what you're going to do with it. You know, my, my goal with the truck was 600 wheel and we'll get there, but I didn't want to lean on it. We're literally on the first tune still. And so I was honest with, you know, it's literally built for burnouts. I want to flash. Yeah. I don't care about being able to stand on the brake and hold it at the light. It's been the track one, maybe two times a year. Yeah. So street truck, you know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, 
in in all the uh, the swaps you guys done, I've seen sometimes you use the stock computer and wiring harness, and I've seen you guys uh, install like Holly and FI Tech a couple times. Do you have a preference as far as whether to use the factory converter or a, a standalone unit like the Holly or the FI Tech? If it comes down to it, I would much rather use the Holly just because it's a self learning and you can literally type in what your cam is, all that kind of stuff right out of the gate. And it'll learn that process. It'll learn how you drive and things like that too. With a a stock ECU setup, it's great for someone that's on a budget. Yeah. But by the time you spend, well, there's just limitations, right? So with mine, it's got to go to somebody, you know, the old truck is still on a stock ECU because it's like a don't BS me clone from sloppy mechanics. Right. So great you know, at stock ECU, just get me going and we'll have some fun with it. Well, the truck we put the Holly on that we've shown, there's, there's so many other vehicles that we've done that never get shown because my brother doesn't take any videos or um, (laughs) any pictures of stuff, but that's okay. Right. And he only lives about 20 minutes from me, but I never go out there because I'm so busy with the dragon drivers, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, I would much prefer a Holly unit if we're going to do it. If you're going to have something that's going to eventually get a cam or, you know, some kind of converter or maybe a turbo or something like that in the future, if you're going stock and you just want it because you want a 65 international truck to have 450 horsepower and drive along like your wife's 2018 Escalade, just a stock ECU is fine. I think it all comes down to different, you know, whatever build we're we're doing, and it and it differs between yeah. the the plans. Yeah, I haven't used a Holly myself yet, but I've heard like the tuning side of it is way easier and way yeah. simpler. Like HP tuners can get a little overwhelming, and I just deal with the Gen three stuff. Like I'm sure in yeah. the Gen four and the LT stuff, it's even more complicated. But yeah. Uh, I, I did see on one of the projects on your channel, you guys installed an FI tech and I know some guys have had uh, issues and problems with those. Did you guys have any trouble or, or how did you like that system? Uh, knowing now what we know, he needed a bigger kit. He needed the next step up, but it was at that point, it was a stock 396 SS70 El Camino. Great car. It ran and drove great for what it was, but he put a cam and long tubes and a converter and a gear in it. And he was trying to pass and that it just wasn't enough. So it ended up, you know, he hated it. He fought it all the time. It would, would ping. It would not do, cause it wasn't getting enough fuel. It just wasn't, wasn't doing right. So he okay. pulls that out, puts a 550 horsepower. Uh, I think it was 505 big block in it and the turbo 400 from a 700 R5. It completely changes it up and went with like a, I think it was like a 800, FI tech. So we had good luck with what we've put on that have been reasonable and, and actually have had better luck with FI tech than we have with the Holly sniper setup. We're struggling right now. We've got a, my brother has an international scout that factory 345 V8 comes in. Guy had a carburetor ran great. We put a Holly on it. Will not run at all. Can't get it to stay running for more than about four seconds. Took the sniper off, sent it back. They sent us a new one, put it on same thing. He's been on the uh, tech line for like five hours over the last week trying to figure out what's going on. We've got fuel pressure, all that kind of stuff. He thinks he has an idea now. It looks like within the handheld that the 
I think the duty cycle had been turned to like 10% on the, on the fuel injector. So it's just little goofy stuff like that, that I think you end up fighting for no reason, but you have to, you have to work through that stuff to know on the next one, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things that's been tossing around in the back of my brain is like, starting up a bit of a side hustle or shop doing like swapping these LS engines into square bodies or uh, OBS trucks. Do you have any advice for anybody that uh, now that you've been running a shop for a while for anybody who's thinking about uh, starting a business doing that? Uh, It's going to take longer than what you plan. So the Land Cruiser is a great example. It was the first vehicle I did uh, with the I really did for the channel with a series along with it. And I think there were 70 something videos with that rig and right. I put an LS in it. And um, I went and looked at the vehicle planned. Oh, 60, 80 hours should be no problem to get an LS in this. We had a plan for how we were going to get from the GM trans to the uh, Toyota transfer case, all this kind of stuff, right? 68 hours. He's like, yeah, man, go for it. I had 240 or 260 hours in it because when I went to put the front end back on, I realized there was a a whole mess of wires that had been cut. Like the entire front harness had been just chopped off. So it it was just this whole big, long process. So it will take longer. My biggest thing would be, Hey, this is what it, you know, this is my hourly rate. You tell me when we run out of money (laughs) right? and you've done this enough. You understand that, you're not, you can either have a less expensive hourly rate and learn on their dime, or you can have a higher hourly rate and not charge them to learn. When you're on YouTube for three hours trying to figure out why it won't start, you can't charge them for that, or you can charge a little less and, and learn as you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be one of the biggest challenges is like estimating the cost of something yeah. for a customer. Hey, but yeah, I can see yeah. how just charging hourly would be the way to do it. Yeah. And, and for us, it works. We have uh, several customers that come to us to build their stuff now because Steven is a great builder. He, he can get stuff done. He can figure it out. He's smart and can work through stuff pretty easy. The, the biggest thing for a lot of shops that we see and a lot of side uh, hustle type stuff, and we've done it here, is you end up with too many projects. So just like your own stuff, if you have three of your own cars, which one are you working on this week? <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, and be realistic with your time. That was one thing that cost me really a, a lot of my own personal time was, hey, I'm telling these customers I'm going to spend 15 hours a week on their car. Well, at the end of the week, I've got eight hours in it because I've been out there two nights, maybe, you know, for a couple hours. And then I'm out there all day Saturday trying to get work done um, and then, you know, set up a billing schedule. Bill every two weeks, no matter if you spend the money or put it in an account, but that the customer needs to pay every few weeks because you can get to the end and be like, hey, I need a check for four grand. And while in your mind, that's great because now you're like, hey, I'm that's like a savings account. I'm doing this work for a savings account. That yeah. customer goes, I don't have four grand. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. what it costs. And you can't pick it up until then, but it's done. You know, yeah, I can see um, that being a problem. And, and then be ready for that customer to to drive it one time and make it eight miles to a car show and then it not start again. And you got to figure out how to go get it. You, know, yeah. you got to go down there and figure out how to get it running to get it back to your house to figure out what's going on. You know, we had a the Grand Wagoneer is a great example. I, I drove it 
by you know myself as a daily driver for a solid week every you know getting in every day starting it in the morning going to work so you know come, come back guy gets it up we take it deliver it he drives it for a day o2 sensor goes bad no no fuel fuel uh fuel sending unit doesn't work anymore don't know what's happened to it it's on full all the time you know so it's like that little goofy stuff so plan on that kind of time too yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So let's get into your projects a little bit. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a little more about uh, Stanley, your, uh, your seat oh, down yeah. there? So Stanley is what started everything. Okay. So when I was 12 years old, my grandfather parked it and bought a 95 Ford truck. Okay. So he had driven from 1967 to 1992, this my Stanley every day. That was his wow. daily driver for 25 years. My grandmother's like, you need something better. It's a three-speed in the floor. It's a V8. You're driving all over the place. Get something better. So she puts him in a six-cylinder automatic Ford truck, which is a great truck. He drove it for five or six years. But um, when he parked that truck, because back then, nobody built first-gen C10s. And that's what I've always liked is something that's always a little bit different. That's why we built yeah. the MG. That's why we have some of the stuff. We have the death cart, Grand Marquis. So 14 years old, this truck gets parked. Well, that's about the time you start working here uh, in Northwest Arkansas. So I get a job. I start mowing yards. Well, the truck had been neglected for a long time before that. He was just getting by, you know what I mean? And so I spent two summers working on the truck. We painted it, uh, you know, like just rattle can paint out front. I put a windshield in it, uh, put a seat in it, put exhaust on it, put new tires on it. All this kind of stuff was, you know, my own money. My dad would throw in some money. My grandmother would throw in some money. Did all that stuff, got it running good and all that before I even had it, like it was still his, you know? And so I get about three months from uh, being 16 and he gives it to me, you know, he's like, you know, this is yours. You can have it. So be what you'll, you know, it's your first car, all this kind of stuff. So it's really cool. So I drove it for a couple of years or I drove it for a year with a, a three speed in the floor that literally the first gear, you had to hold it in first gear because it was up against the seat. It was a four-shifted <laughs> three-speed. used to be on the column, then it was on the floor. Yeah. Um, and it was up against the seat, so you, you had to hold it in first gear. Well, then you go to second, and then you come back to third. Well, you're holding it in third. Most of the time, you're driving it because it would pop out. <laughs> wow. So I had, you know, coming from Northeast Arkansas, I now live in Northwest Arkansas, even when I was 16. And so I was going back with my brother to take him home. Uh, no, I was coming back up here. He was coming up for a vacation trip. Like, you know, he was in junior high or high school, junior high, I guess he was 12. And so we get about an hour from my old house, which is five hours from here. And the it jams between oh, first no. and second. And I cannot <laughs> get it out. The truck drivers in the parking lot that we you know, end up pushing the clutch in and my, or my brother pushed the clutch and I pushed him into the parking lot. We worked on it for two hours. My dad drives all the way over, gets it. It literally pops out as he puts it to get on the trailer, you know? So anyways, <laughs> so I uh, did an automatic after that. And so the truck went through a lot of different iterations. It was a 283. It had a 700R4 in it for a while. It had the, uh, had a turbo 350 in it for a while with a big cheap torque converter. And it was slow and boring and so hard to drive. Well, then I got the idea to put an LS in it. And so we 
get found slapping mechanics and it was over at that point. I yeah, the LS in history, eh? <laughs> Dude, I, I drove it for a year. Uh, at that point, we were doing the LS in the Land Cruiser. So I had the engine on a stand. And so I built a crossover for the turbo and all that kind of stuff with you know something out of the truck, which helped a bunch. If you can do that, that's great. Yeah. Because it, it allows you to manipulate pieces and parts. You have the car there uh, that you can measure stuff on, make sure it's going to fit. So, you know, for the next year, I would drive it as often as I could with the stock 4.8 and 4L80. Drove it everywhere, work out any bugs, worked out, you know, fuel pump, fuel lines, trans lines would leak, you know, radiator lines, all that kind of stuff got worked out. Built a turbo kit, and within two or three weekends, we had swapped from a completely stock 212,000-mile 4.8 to now, a, you know, with what is essentially a stage 4 Texas speed cam. It's a custom cam from comp, but, uh, for just cause I have a friend there, not like we're fancy, but just because exactly. I have a friend at comp, I'm like, Hey, I want to, you know, this is what I want. Yeah. Again, going back to what we talked about with the converter. And so I had the converter, the turbo on it, the intercooler, all that kind of stuff. And did that in two weeks and went and got it tuned. So it went from a 225 horsepower rig to 490 wheel horsepower, yeah. it, you know, at nice. the drop of a hat. So yeah, doubled the horsepower on it. And stuff oh, like it, was, it was wild, man. I loved it. It was burnout city for a year. Yeah. Nice. So, so, yeah. so is that truck ever going to see a drag and drive competition or? Uh, well, oh yeah. Else? So, yeah. uh, the, the plan is to put a drive shaft back in it. Um, and then I'm going to build a trailer. It's got a, a tent camp or a tent on the top of the trailer, you know, fold out tent, like a, overlanding type deal. Oh, nice tools and stuff like that underneath it. And I'm going to drag it all over the country. So that's, that's the whole purpose of the truck being built was to, to do these drag and drive events and just drive. I'd like to put 15 or 20,000 miles a year on it. Oh, cool. So, so it, get- it'll end up getting AC too. Oh, nice. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big, uh, my current truck, I ripped off the air conditioning. And if I, I head South to the States, I definitely want to have air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys, the miles of mayhem guys, there was a few on there. I saw the comments going, I should have, I should have <laughs> put AC on this thing. That's coming for next year. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, the, the truck really is, uh, I did a CPP, you know, mini notch in the back. It's got a welded 12 bolt rear end in it. Yeah. That was and, in the truck factory. I mean, it just, it's fun. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So you said you're having a tent right on your trailer, so you'll be able to sleep right on your trailer. Is that did I get oh, that yeah. right? That's cool. Yeah, so yeah. Save yeah, on some so, hotel bills, eh? Well, and I think that's the only way I can make driving drag and drive addiction work like right. I want it to. You know, because yeah. there's there's twelve events I'd like to hit in twenty twenty three and you know, you start figuring twelve events at four nights uh time average i mean that's 50 nights a year in a hotel that's ten thousand dollars yeah that's a big bill for sure so yeah that's yeah. cool yeah so let, let's talk about the narcs cart for a bit that uh <laughs> i haven't seen it on the channel for a while but t- tell us a little bit about that thing yeah so i'm trying to decide what i want to do so the the whole purpose of that car was to build it as a giveaway car which is never a good idea youtubers don't build a car to give away it's a waste of money i'm writing this down (laughs) yeah please i'm telling you um so the whole plan was it would give me a ton of goofy dumb content and that would take our channel to the next level okay so i set this goal of when the channel hits a million views total we'll give this car away okay i've owned i've owned the car more than two years now we still haven't hit that 
40 something videos later, you know, and uh, all this stuff with, with, I'm talking about 40 videos, just Narc's cart videos. Oh, wow. Plus all the, the dragon drives that's been on and things like that. Yeah. But the struggle with the car was, or the reason the car really came about was one, I wanted to do something dumb. I, I right. wanted a car that I didn't care about. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the best way to explain it. But also the wife and two daughters couldn't fit in the old truck right. comfortably and legally. So the wife was like, well, you're going to have to build something. So I thought, why not a Grand Marquis? So it's a, a 2003 Grand Marquis that was literally one of the nicest cars I had seen. Uh, we gave $900 for it and went home and cut the roof off of it. Wow. The door. My, my kids were, you know, they worked with me to pull the doors off. The interior had never been smoked in or anything like that. When I gave the old guy the money, he was like 80 something. I gave the old guy the money and I was like, yeah, we're going to go home. We're going to cut the roof off of this thing. He was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And so, uh, you know, s- since then we, we were lucky enough. We sold a lot of Narcoleptic shirts, Narc's cart shirts yep. to help pay for that. Another reason to build a brand, which we'll talk about shortly. Yep. And then, Everything we did to it was donated. So, you know, I, I bought the turbo. Uh, the complete hot side is all built out of scraps people had around. We had here. Some friends had some stuff. The intercooler stuff was donated. I mean, it was just, it was how cheap can we build this thing to have so much dumb fun? You yeah, know, that's, Perfect. it's a, it, sorry, it's a 03 with a, a two valve four six in it. It's got a GT45 turbo on it. And really the reason we put the nitrous on it was because it sprays into the turbo. Oh, so okay. it's a, it's a little copper line. So you take it and when it's really humid outside and warm, you can, tilt that thing just a little bit and it gives like the pro mod fog you know so it looks super super cool (laughs) Um, and yeah and if these folks follow blaine stark or blaine's therapy they'll have seen that they're big nitrous guys and so i'm in the lanes blaine it's day one blaine's talking to me and i'm like man i want a 13 out of this thing because they're not very fast you know we had a 430 right. gear in the back or have yeah. a 430 gear in the back but it's got 31 inch tall tires so it's about the same as a factory one so uh so i'm like blaine how do i get a 13 he goes man you gotta put a 100 shot on it i'm like well phrasing the turbo he goes you better let off the button before it shifts <laughs> well i didn't yeah. do that Oh no! <laughs> so it shifted third to four, and I'm still just uh, I got all the button on mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah, and uh, we lost overdrive that night, so oh, okay. we limped it, you know, they're 280 yeah. miles, and then yeah, but lost the lost day. third gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's so, it's pretty interesting. So the the new plan, I'm really thinking. Uh, we just crossed 650 thousand views the other day, so I'm really thinking. Um, I'm probably just going to put a stock junkyard trans in it. And have Ryan Jans, which you had mentioned earlier about the converters, uh, have him go through and mess with the factory converter a little bit. Give me more stalls so I can get up into the boost a little bit and do a better burnout. Yeah, for sure. So is it still a big, heavy car or did taking all that sheet metal off, did did it make it a lot lighter? Like, have you ever weighed it? Yes, yeah, so it's thirty three fifty with me in it, and I'm right oh, at two twenty. Okay. So, so it you know it's way it's thirty one hundred pounds without me in it. So, so that's probably like about the weight of like a, a fox body or, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, like yeah. like a you know full body you know full interior fox body about the same. Yeah. So exactly. if, if we can get that thing making four hundred horsepower, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, we're we're gonna lean on it a little bit. Um, nice. uh, I have debated on a, after this season of Dragon Drive. 
Uh, we're doing a, a awards at PRI and things like that. So I, I think I'm going to try and discuss with Holly and see if we can get maybe a Terminator X set up for oh, a four six and yeah. throw that on. So anybody can tune in. We can kind of lean on it a little bit more because uh, yeah. right now those cars are li- literally, you know, you put a chip in it. So you got to pull the chip out, uh, right. put it in the yeah. computer, tune it and put it yeah. back in. That's Three just too much. Of a pain. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a big pain to do that. And I think with the, a looser converter and boost earlier. Uh, right now, the exhaust is super long, like it's 18 feet of exhaust pipe, literally, because it comes to the factory Y and then I looped it around back under the car. Right. So I'd like to forward mount the headers and run into the turbo, take all the AC and heat and all that kind of stuff out and uh, save a little more weight there, but mainly space, just trying yeah. to get stuff out of the way so I can work on it on the side of the road. Exactly. Any plans for an LS swap, or are you going to stick with with the mod motor? Uh, for for this one, because we're giving it away, I think I'm just going to stick with the mod motor because it'll be easier. Uh, what I would like to do, I, I'll build another one for sure. I, I've already got different ideas for a cage and things like that that would fit with some NHRA tech, and I'd like to build Leroy's uncle. I don't know what we'll oh, call nice. it, but you know, <laughs> so so something yeah. similar to that, chopped off at the back wheels, you know, things like yeah. that that we just weren't going to do with this car because. I don't want to have another 50 or 60 hours in it by the time we get done with everything. If we're just giving it away, you know, I I need it to run good and do burnouts for the next person that gets it. Let's talk about your Adam Ant project. Like I know it's a little two seater convertible. I think it's Mm -hmm. MG midget or something. I know it's got a four cylinder turbo, but what kind of engine and stuff is in that thing? Yeah. So it's a, it's a full tube chassis build. Like we, my brother built one built and, uh, didn't have the steering shaft correctly seated uh, with the pin in it. And so literally drove it three miles, flipped it over upside down. Oh no. So he said, if I'm doing this, we're doing it right this time. And uh, so it has a two, three Lima uh, Ford four cylinder, which is like a SV eighties SVO Mustang is probably the easiest way people on turbo coupe, things like that. Um, And those motors, the bottom ends are good to 600. So we thought, Oh man, 400 wheel in a car that weighs 2000 pounds would be a ton of fun. Well, yeah. it's gone next level. Of course you can't do anything <laughs> normal. So my brother flips, flips the first car, doesn't hurt himself. Thank goodness. He was not wearing a helmet, didn't have the GoPro on and wasn't wearing any harnesses or anything. I mean, it's wow. a miracle that him and the, his buddy Blake will be on race week with him or even alive. I mean, really they flipped it yeah. at like 50 miles an hour and didn't fly. it was the craziest story. You know, as you see all that at our, uh, at our Facebook job or Facebook page, I've got a full, uh, not playlist, uh, album on that car, really neat car, but it was limited. So we could cut down an eight, eight, Steven put a four link built full tube, set up everything for it. Mustang two front end and, uh, suspension and things like that. Coilovers all the way around, but it makes, the new setup with the new turbo should make 450 wheel pretty easy and oh, not wow. have to lean on it pretty hard. And then uh, weighs 2,150 pounds with him. In wow. it. So, and, and he's 180 pound guy. So he's that a lot lighter than I am. So <laughs> it, it's a, uh, the, the benefit to that car, we've got a stage two and a half spec clutch in it. It's just so light that it just works. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. That'll yeah. be a fun car. And he entered that in a dragon drive. I think I saw last yeah. year. How, yeah. how, did, how did that go for him? Well, so the 20, well, he was going to do rate road week for 2021 uh, race week, which is Rocky mountains 2.0. And okay. so we get a hundred miles into the trip and the steering box, it was like out of a late model dirt track car. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, the internal shaft in that broke. We're literally driving 60 miles an hour. And it, he's like, it just feels weird. He goes, wow. to take the exit. One tire goes this way. Another goes that way. So he's <laughs> yeah. like, any, any steering issues, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. You guys are having bad luck with steering on that car. Hey. Yeah. So, um, so we loaded on the trailer. He takes it back home, gets all that sorted. And so this year, you know, he's gone and done a bigger cam, tons of head porting. There's a company called Bowport, okay. which is a leading person in that whole Lima community. And so he did a, a full, like a stage four port job on the head, which on those heads, you're limited to cam size because of the, you have to relieve the head to actually okay. get a bigger lobe in it. So we did all that. He did all that ported the lower intake, which is good for like 70 or 80 horsepower or something stupid. So anyways, all that kind of stuff. And then, so now we took it, he took it on the circuit dragon drive, which is the event we host in April and okay. it made it just fine. And since then he's done the, a different turbo and just cleaned up everything, you know, different fuel pump, different injectors, all that kind of stuff to make sure everything is good to go. And we'll take it to race week in what's the day, the 24th. So, uh, eight days or something like that. We leave next Saturday night. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it starts uh, in Oklahoma city and goes to Dallas. It's like 860 mile trip or something like that. Oh, nice. Should yeah. be fun. Oh, it's going to be nuts. He's going to hate his life because that car is too <laughs> small for 800 miles. Yeah. I can't imagine that being a comfortable yeah. car to ride in at all. No, no, it's not at all. And the suspension travels about this much. Oh, and man. <laughs> uh, there's no sound deadening because eventually that motor and trans and rear axle will come out and go into something else that we're not, we're not even putting out in the world yet. We're not even telling anybody about it yet. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, what well, we kind of touched on this a bit before, but you guys are doing an LT swap in the international truck. H- mm-hmm. How hard is that compared to doing like a regular LS swap? The the difference has been just the amount of after you, you know, the the swap is the same. You're getting in, building a trans mount, all that kind of stuff is the same. The difference has been the electronic side of it because an LT runs, you know, a factory fuel pump at I think it's like 62 or 64 PSI. So, but then it runs up and then it amplifies that into like 2000 PSI into the direct injection. So learning all of that and figuring all of that out and just not having the, the knowledge base of what something means, you know, plug a scanner and we're like, we don't even know what that means. Right. And so he's been fighting with it for, I would say a month just to get the the final little pieces done on it. But it's, it's a really, really cool truck. And one of our best customers owns it. And we're lucky to have the guy cause he's got plenty of project cars, but this truck is a ex military Southern Arizona truck. It's a four door international long bed. So it's longer than like a, 2011 Dodge long bed crew cab truck. It's insanely big. So they did super Ford, super duty axles underneath it. It's got the LT six, two, it's got an eight speed from an Escalade. And then it's got the same transfer case from the Escalade. So it'll be all push button four wheel drive and, you know, auto slip detection and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be really, really neat. Yeah. And like you said, it'll drive like a brand new pickup when you guys are done with the day. So that's cool. 
Yeah, it's got 37s on it. And so you'll be able to get in that truck. And the other part of LS and LT stuff is, I mean, you can literally pull in to that with that 1965 international truck into yeah. O'Reilly's or AutoZone anywhere in the country and get an alternator, get an intake gasket, get uh, exhaust gasket, get something that's going to break because it is going to it is going to break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to have one of those cars that then that's the nice thing about the LS is you can you can get parts from from in the middle of Alaska, I'm sure you can find yeah. LS parts. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times like for us race guys, somebody has something. Yeah. Some hey, I need an intake for this thing. Okay, cool, here you go. You know what I mean? It's it, everybody has stuff. LT yeah. stuff isn't quite like that. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Cause they're they're I'm telling you, they're the they're the next wave because they make a hundred more horsepower for every model across the setup and people are working out the, the direct injection, but then folks are also putting an injector in the runner and runner yeah, like the regular yeah. LS setup. So a, a combination of like port injection and direct injection, yep. Hey? Yep. Which, which makes sense. Cause I think it's pretty expensive to get like bigger direct injectors. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, probably one of the biggest benefits too is they can flow, like you can take a factory direct injection setup, another 150 horsepower, I think, or something like that, just by, you know, some tweaks without yeah. having to buy inject. You know, you go another 150 on an LS setup, you're way out of injector. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I do want to, I do want to touch on one other project truck that we're doing. Uh, it's sure. the same guy that has the international he has purchased. So this, that's a four wheel drive lifted, 37 inch tire truck it's cool interior is nice everything like that uh the the vice versa to that is a crew cab international truck that's lowered on 20s that's getting oh, nice. a turbo ls that's essentially a, a clone of the old truck so you know oh, it's a goal of 500 and doing burnouts and air conditioning and drive anywhere so it's a nice. neat neat truck and if you uh jump onto the narcoleptic instagram you can see a couple pictures of it here and there i just haven't posted up very much okay. of it so Cool. Well, we'll tell yeah. Stephen to turn on his camera. Dude, uh, <laughs> listen, man, it's uh, it's brutal around here sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way it works. The, the hard part is that's the other thing too, right? So you know, we were talking about how to run a shop, and and you know, time is money. So anytime, and you know it from building cars, and most of the guys over in the comment section knows too. You yeah. you turn on a camera, you are cutting your work time in half yeah, yeah for the it takes work, but you're tripling your actual work time so yeah you know, absolutely steven doesn't have time for that he's got cars to build and so I, I what i need to have happen is i need to have drag and drive addiction uh take off yeah. more and uh pay me and then i can go out there and sit with him and do my work out there and just record while he works yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right on So that was the first half of our interview with Michael Narks. Stick around next week and we'll get into the Dragon Drive and social media and part two of our interview with Michael Narks. So see you next week. Mm-hmm.